would draw us closer to yourself, that you would draw us closer to one another, and that you would help us to go out in the power of the Spirit to serve uh, and to love those around us. God, be with, be with me as I preach your word this morning. Uh, help me not to get in the way. Uh, let your word do the talking, God, and I just pray that um, in the power of your spirit that these people would hear a better sermon than the one that is preached. Thank you and praise you, God, for the work that you do. Uh, you are so awesome. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we've been, we've been learning uh, just a little bit lately, the past couple weeks, uh, through uh, Romans chapter 12, uh, about how we are to, to use our gifts, um, learning about recognizing, accepting, and exercising our gifts. And those, of course, are our, um, our spiritual gifts, gifts that come from the Spirit. And so I have the pleasure this morning of speaking to you about that Spirit, uh, the giver of the gifts, if you will, from Galatians 5. So I'm going to read uh, Galatians 5, 16 and 17, 25 and 26, and actually I'm probably going to go through 6, 2. Uh, so if you want to follow along, you can. Galatians 5, starting in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. I think God has given each and every one of us a daily picture that we are created as dependent beings. Uh, think of maybe three things that you probably do every single day. Uh, hopefully you, you breathe. Uh, you can't really live too long without breathing. Uh, and that shows that there is something outside of us that, that is giving us life. You probably also eat, right? Uh, probably the longest you've gone without eating is the couple hours you spent last night sleeping, if, if you did sleep, which we'll get to in a second. But there are things outside of us, breathing, eating, that, that we need in order to, to, in a sense, have power to live. And I think the one that reveals the problem in us is, is sleeping. Uh, that each and every day, like, we are created uh, with the need to sleep. Uh, did, you ever, did you ever wonder why God created us that way? I think probably it's to show us that we are dependent creatures. And so when we go extended periods of time without sleeping, in a sense what we're trying to tell God is, you know, I don't want to be dependent. Specifically, I don't want to be dependent on you or the things that you have given me to, to give me 
rest, to give me power, to give me strength to live the day. And so God has given us these pictures to show us we are dependent. And I think it's, it's no different when we come to the Christian life. That it is not the power in and of ourselves that gives us the ability to follow Christ. As we've been talking about discipleship, we've kind of defined it as, as learning Christ or, or learning to follow Christ. And so hopefully in that time we're, we're not understanding it in, in the sense of, you know, I have to generate this power from within me somehow to be able to follow Christ. Uh, because I think that God has, has given us something outside of ourselves in order to, to give us the power to follow Christ. And I, I would say that that is the Spirit. Uh, the Spirit is the one who helps us follow Christ, or we could say it is by the Spirit we follow Christ. We read some verses from Galatians, and, and Paul uses four different phrases that I read, four different verbs in the text, in, in 16, 17, 18, 25, and 26. He says, walk by the Spirit. He says, be led by the Spirit. He says, live by the Spirit. And he also says, keep in step with the Spirit. And, and all of those things, they're driving back to the Spirit. It doesn't say, you know, generate this power from within yourself and follow Christ. It says, walk by the Spirit. And I think uh, that is because we don't have the power the ability in and of ourselves to follow Christ. Uh, the phrases, in a sense, reveal our dependence on God, specifically on the person of the Holy Spirit. And, and so these these four verbs, I, I don't I don't know when um, when this this sort of like verb campaign started, but there was when I was younger, uh, I got a, a little like kickball that said verb, it's what you do. Anybody remember that? No. Verb. It's what you do. I don't know. Maybe we should go back to the, what, what were those cheesy videos, the conjunction junction. They talked about verbs on there, I'm sure. I just don't remember that. But I, I got a little, a little yellow kickball that said verb. It's what you do. And, and all of these phrases that Paul is using, walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit keep in step by the Spirit. They are verbs. I'm, I'm no grammarian, but I'm pretty sure that those are verbs. And I think that Paul is giving us those words specifically as verbs to show us that the action of a Christian or the verb, what Christians do, comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. So, so verb, it's what you do. Being a Christian the Holy Spirit provides the ability to do what it is required uh, of a Christian, the doing of a Christian. Uh, and really, this, this has been my struggle. Um, and and I, I, I've spent some time reading Galatians recently, uh, and, and it has revealed this struggle within me, that, that I don't want to rely on the Spirit. 
I want to be able to say, you know what? I'm supposed to follow Christ, and I did it. But, but that's not what we are called to as Christians. Paul here again is saying we need the Spirit in order to follow Christ. So if we are going to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit to live as Christians, we're going to need to know who the Holy Spirit is and what He does in our lives. And so in order to do that, let's turn to John. Uh, John chapter 14, specifically. I'm going to read just a couple verses here to help us understand the Spirit a little bit better. And while we're turning there, let's, let's talk about the Spirit for a second. The Spirit is not an it. The Spirit is a He. He is a person of the Godhead, uh, one who, who has existed for all time. Uh, and, I, and I don't know, maybe it's just one of my pet peeves to hear the Spirit referred to as it. Um, but Scripture refers to him as he, as the Spirit. Uh, and so I think that helps in our relationship with the Spirit to know that he is um, you know, a, a person of the Godhead instead of just some it floating off uh, in wherever. Um, but that's, that's maybe my just personal pet peeve. Uh, but let's read John chapter 14. Uh, and we're going to have two sets again. Verses 15 and 17 and verses 25 and 26. John 14 says this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you down to 25 and 26. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So in this passage, John is referring to the Holy Spirit as, uh, depending on your translation, uh, as the Helper or the Advocate or the Comforter. The word that is used there is, is paraclete. And the Spirit is described in a couple different ways. He, sa- he, is, he is said to be the one who gives us the ability to keep God's commands. So Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And then he says, it is by the Spirit that you were able to keep those commands. So hopefully we're seeing here that that we need the Spirit in order to follow Christ. And this is exactly what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. He is sent by the Father and by Jesus to come in power or to stand beside to give us the ability to follow Christ. Like I said, He helps us keep the commandments. He teaches us. And He helps us to remember what God has spoken. That That was spoken specifically to the disciples so that the Holy Spirit would empower them to be able to write the New Testament. But now we are reading the New Testament that they have written so we can remember and we can know all that Jesus has spoken and commanded us to do. Now, if, you are, if you're reading in the, the King James Version, it says comforter uh, to describe the Spirit. Some other translations will say helper, like we said, advocate. Um, but, but the comforter... I don't, I, 
I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear the word comforter. I know for me, it's the, the thing on top of the bed. It's, you know, something that you can snuggle up to and it'll keep you warm. That's not necessarily the picture that we're supposed to have of the Holy Spirit. That, you know, something that we can snuggle up to, keep warm, whatever it may be. Haven't probably used a comforter in a long time, which also isn't supposed to be the picture we think of the Holy Spirit. But comforter, like I said, is it comes from the word paraclete. And this was the name that was given to, in, in ancient times, it was the name given to the family attorney. And that was because um, the attorney, if there was a difficult situation that somebody was facing, uh, they, would, they would call upon the paraclete. They would call upon this, this person who was going to come, and they were going to come with power. And they were going to come with strength. And they were going to stand beside you and plead your case because you couldn't do it in and of yourself. And I think that is more so the picture that we are to have of the Holy Spirit. That, that He is the one who comes and stands beside us, or even more rightly, He is inside believers to come in power and strength to give us the ability to follow Christ, to keep His commandments, to remember all that He has taught. And He comes to help. That's how we get the word helper in a lot of English translations. But, but He is the one who is called to stand alongside you. Because we're not, we're not supposed to live this Christian life in our own power. And it's interesting that Jesus did this physically with the twelve. You know, he was teaching them. He was pouring into them. He was giving us the model of discipleship that we've been talking about for a while. But now, the Holy Spirit does this spiritually in all believers. And so because of this, every believer, every person who has submitted to Christ and is indwelt by the Holy Spirit is able to stand firm with the power of the Holy Spirit in times of difficulty. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. He is the one that we call upon to give us the ability to follow Christ. And it's interesting as we continue through the book of John in verse 16, so just flip a couple pages probably. Uh, John 16 verse 7 continues Jesus' description of, of who the Holy Spirit is. And this is, this is a little, uh, sometimes it's a little hard to understand. It's, you know, it's kind of, kind of difficult. But verse 7 of chapter 16 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Can you imagine the disciples hearing that? They spent the past couple years of their lives being poured into by God the Son and he says, no, 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 it is better for you that I go away. And look at why he says this. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. Remember, the Helper is the Holy Spirit. Jesus has promised to send another Helper in order to help us follow Christ. There's a book written by J.D. Greer called Jesus Continued. And his subtitle is um, 
the spirit inside you is better than Jesus beside you. And that's kind of what what Jesus is getting at here to his disciples. I need to go away so that I can send the helper, the one who is going to come in power. And so that's why he says it's to your advantage that 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 Christ goes away. Because if he doesn't, then we're not going to have the helper. We're not going to have the spirit to indwell all believers to help them follow Christ. Because without the Holy Spirit, we cannot follow Christ. I, I have come to like fountain pens. Uh, and yes, that is a little pretentious of me, I realize, but I'm all right with it. And the first time I ever tried to use a fountain pen, I had no idea you had to put ink in it. So I just started writing. I was like, man, this, this isn't working. And so then I you know, tore around in the package a little bit more and found the ink. And once I put the ink in and started writing, it was, it was a great experience. And, and I've never gone back. But it's kind of the same with the Holy Spirit. That, you know, we, we try in our own power to, to do and to work and to live. And it just doesn't work. But, but then, you know, we call out to the Helper, the one that Jesus promised to send. And then we have the ability to follow Christ. We have the ability to to deny our flesh, to to put others' needs before our own. And I think that the most crucial thing that we learn about the Holy Spirit comes in Luke, Luke 24. This is when Jesus is sending his disciples out. And he says to them something Specific that I want to highlight this morning in verse 49. Luke 24:49 says, "And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed from power from on high." So Jesus is sending his disciples out, and he says, But don't go until you have the power from on high. And that power is revealed in Acts 1.8, where where he says, uh, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. So the power that Jesus is referring to here, he's saying, Don't go until you have the Holy Spirit. And that's what Pentecost is, where the Holy Spirit comes in power to live in believers, to give them the ability to follow Christ. He says, stay in Jerusalem until you have that power, because without the Holy Spirit, not only can you not follow what I have commanded you to follow, but you can't help others follow what I have commanded you to follow. The same is true for us today. Without the Spirit, we can neither follow Christ nor help others to follow Christ. And sadly, this has been a bit of a a slow learning process for me. I, I often try to do things in my own power. I often try to muster up 
the strength to be able to follow the commands of God. But I'll tell you what, every time I try to do that, I fall short. Because I don't have the power within me to do that. I, I need the Holy Spirit. And that's something that's been revealed to me lately. That I am in desperate need of the power from on high that Jesus speaks of in order to follow Christ. And so if I am to say like Paul in Galatians, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, this is a lesson that I'm going to have to learn. And I think that this is a lesson that that we are all going to have to learn. That we need to call upon the Comforter. And we need to rely on His power to to firstly help our personal lives, our, our, our own selves follow Christ. But then so also we can help others follow Christ. Because we need the Spirit to help us follow Christ. So let's go back to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, where Paul has given us these four verbs. Walk, be led by, live by, and keep in step with. And so what Paul is showing us here is that the Spirit helps us follow Christ. And that to live by the Spirit is to keep in step with the Spirit. So if the Spirit is the one who is, is going to help us follow Christ, there's, there's something preventing us from doing that. And I think the four phrases kind of reveal that. Um, and so let's, let's kind of break them down just a little bit here. Verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So right off the bat, we can see that there's this kind of battle going on. Flesh versus Spirit. Walking by the Spirit in this battle, I would describe it as following Christ personally. So so our individual lives, our individual walk with Christ, and and in this in this in this passage, um, Paul says, "Walk by the Spirit." Um, you know, he's he's not talking about the the literal kind of walking. He's talking about the way that you conduct your life. So so we could say, by the Spirit, conduct your life. Or or you know, rely on Him to be the power to 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 follow Christ. But then there's this force that Paul mentions that opposes the Spirit. And that's our flesh. And, and hopefully you know exactly what I'm talking about. That, that you have things within you. May, maybe go and read Romans 7. There's things that you want to do that you don't do. And there's things that you don't want to do that you want to do. And this battle rages on. Paul even you know, breaks out and says, Oh, wretched man that I am because of this battle. Uh, or even in, in Galatians 5.17 he says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. There's a battle raging between flesh and Spirit within you. And so to follow Christ personally in the power of the Holy Spirit, 
we must not gratify the desires of the flesh. But in order to not gratify the desires of the flesh, we must live by the Spirit. So there's, there's a, a little illustration picture that I've heard of. Um, it's, it's like the flesh and the Spirit are, are two dogs. And, well, it's probably not a... Well, we'll, we'll go with we'll, we'll use plants because one of them is going to die. Um, we just won't go there. So you have two plants growing. And you want one to grow, but you want the other to die. So if you want this one to die, you're not going to keep feeding it. You're not going to water it. You're, you're not going to give it sunlight. I don't really have a green thumb, so it's going to die anyway. But if you want this one to live, you're going to take care of it. You're going to treasure it. You're going to water it, uh, fertilize, whatever it may be. And, and that's, that's really what it comes down to in the Christian life. And, and it's these, these two big theological words, mortification and vivification. Mortification is the process of killing. That, you know, we, we have decided, you know, I don't, I don't want anything to do with that. I need to, to, to kill that. But vivification is the idea of giving life to. So, so we want to vivify the Spirit within us. And so how do we do that? Well, we read the Word. We come to church. We pray. We, we worship. We, we do all of these things that are prescribed to us in God's Word so that we can feed the Spirit and in so doing starve the flesh. And, and that's, that's how we will you know, continue to walk um, by the Spirit. And, and, and in this process, it's not, you know, we're not killing the flesh for our justification or anything. Christ died for our sins, but we must die to our sins and no longer chase after them. We must kill them by feeding the Spirit. And then we will be walking by the Spirit, not gratifying the desires of the flesh. The second one that Paul mentions comes in uh, verse 18. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So we talked about um, walking by the Spirit, which is our personal walk with Christ. Now we're talking about spirit versus law, which Paul then goes in to talk about the fruit of the Spirit, and I would describe that as following Christ publicly, that, that once we have dealt with our personal lives, we then you know, can live publicly as a Christian and, and even display some of the fruit of the Spirit. So when we are truly walking by the Spirit, it's not the law that overcomes our flesh. The Spirit helps us avoid sin, which is mortify, and follow Christ, which is vivify. So let me say that again. When we are walking by the Spirit, it is not the law that overcomes our flesh. It's the Spirit that helps us avoid sin and follow Christ. So when we talk about this Spirit versus the law, remember the roles of the Holy Spirit that we've discussed already from John. This is where it's helpful. That if the Spirit is our helper or our advocate, our comforter, 
uh, or even our attorney, the law can no longer condemn us. So, so what the Spirit is doing is arguing on our behalf based on the finished work of Christ. Because the Spirit is the one who is applying the work of Christ to our lives. He is crediting Christ's righteousness to our account and, and giving Christ our sin to pay the penalty for it. And so this, this idea is discussed even in, in Romans 8. You probably know Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law has no power to condemn us. So when we're talking about spirit versus law, we are no longer condemned by the law. It reveals our need for a Savior. And we have that Savior in Christ. So the law can no longer condemn us. And we are freed, then, as, as 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We are freed to walk not not according to gain righteousness, but in order to to glorify God based on how we live our lives according to what he has said. Because Christ did what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, which is he brought righteousness by the law. Our following the law is not going to give us righteousness. Our following Christ is the only thing that can give us righteousness. So we must trust him alone for that. And that's the argument that's being laid out in Romans 8, 12 to 17. If you have some time later today, you can, you can check that out. But, but being led by the Spirit means that we have received the Spirit of adoption. And, and we cry out to God as our Father. Because we are forgiven. We are His children. And so to be led by the Spirit means that we are calling out to him as his children. We're not condemned by the law. The law has no power over us. We walk according to Christ. And this is going to show itself in, in how we live. Uh, the two lists that Paul gives, we didn't read them, um, starting in 19. Um, works of the flesh versus fruit of the Spirit. It's almost as if they're given as some sort of... Um, you know, some sort of test to say, well, which one are you living according to? If you're living according to the works of the flesh, you're not being led by the Spirit. You're not walking by the Spirit. But if you are living according to the Spirit, this is what your life is going to produce. This is the fruit that your life will have. And then moving to verse 25, this is kind of where it it affects us as a church. That we have learned what it is to follow Christ privately. We have learned what it is to follow Christ publicly. We now must learn what it means to follow Christ corporately or together as a body. So this is going to be the struggle of flesh versus one another. Verse 25 says, If we live by the Spirit... Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. All of this is going to play itself out in, in how we interact with one another. To live by the Spirit is to keep in step with the Spirit. Literally, is to march in battle order. 
So when he says, keep in step with the Spirit, he's calling us to, to you know, prepare for battle, basically, but, but also to get in marching order. Now, if, if that's the case, you, you, know, you don't march in marching order by yourself. There's, there's people around you that, that you have to keep in step with. And you can only do that if you are living by the Spirit, if you are being led by the Spirit, if you are walking by the Spirit. So the private and the public are going to feed into the corporate. And we must, we must you know, focus on those so that we can together uh, march in battle order. And really, this is this is the heart of discipleship, that that we come together as a body corporately to help one another in those private and public areas. Because discipleship is, in, 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 at its heart, is conformity to Christ under the leadership of the Spirit. And if if that's you know, not happening as a body, chances are it's not happening individually either. Because it's the, the together. When we come together is going to flow out of the private and the public. We can't, we can't work together as a whole if we don't have the same goal to begin with. That same goal is following Christ. And so if our goal individually is not to follow Christ, then our goal together can't be to follow Christ. So as our, our private walking by the Spirit strengthens, our public being led by the Spirit will be more evident. And so we can live and keep in step with the Spirit together and be what God has called the body to be. And I think, I think Scripture paints a beautiful picture of, of what we are supposed to be as the body. We are supposed to, to play our individual roles, to use our individual gifts for the building up of those around us. And so in Galatians 6, Paul gives us, he gives us things not to do and he gives us things to do. He says in 6.1, brothers, if, uh, he starts in, in 5.26, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So, what not to do, stuff that I'm really good at in and of myself, being conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. If, if we are to follow Christ together, those are things that, that we can't be doing. Individually, You know, we can't look at someone else, I think even was said last week, and say, you know, I really wish I had that person's gift. Well, you have been gifted by God and His Spirit with something. And you are to use that gift in order to build up the body, to build up those who are around you. And in doing so, we're not to be conceited. We're not to provoke one another and say, hey, I have this gift and you don't. We're supposed to use the gifts that God has given us for His glory. 
not to provoke one another. And we're supposed to, to humbly and willingly serve, to lay down our lives and put others' needs before our own. And that, that's the beautiful picture of the body, that each individual part is not looking out for itself. It's looking out for others. And so in the list of, of things to do, that's exactly what Paul is saying. He says, restore those who are caught in transgressions. He says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So we are called to bear with one another. And, and I think that word is intentional. Bear with. You know, that that's not describing most likely a pleasant situation. Some of us at some times are going to be very difficult. I'm chief among them, let me tell you. But we are called in the power of the Spirit to bear with one another, to help one another follow Christ so that we can impact more than just these four walls, so that we can impact this community in this world. So in, in doing these in, in doing these things, when we're not being conceited, provoking one another and envying one another, but we are restoring those who are caught in transgressions and bearing one another's burdens, we are fulfilling the law of Christ. And the law of Christ is summarized as love. To love God and love neighbor. Paul is telling us exactly how to do that. He says, help one another follow Christ in the power of the Spirit. That is, that is the ultimate way to love. That, that we, can, we can bear one another's burdens and help one another follow Christ. So in, in 526, when he says what not to do, he's telling us you know, basically to avoid legalism. Because legalism is trying to follow Christ without the Spirit. Trying in our own strength to earn the righteousness that Christ alone has earned. And so Paul is saying, avoid that. Don't do that. You don't have the power in and of yourself. You need the Spirit to firstly help you follow Christ and then to help you help others follow Christ. And in 6.1, when he tells us what to do, he is encouraging us to show love in the power of the Spirit by coming alongside one another to help each other follow Christ. And really, this, this, is, this is my hope for this church. That, that we can keep in step with the Spirit and follow Christ privately publicly and corporately so that we can come together and bear one another's burdens that we can fulfill the law of Christ which is love and we can we can reach out to someone who you know you look like you're hurting can i bear this burden with you or or even um, to be able to restore uh, someone who is caught in transgression in, in the power of the Spirit to be able to go someone and say, you know, I, I see that, you know, maybe you're caught in something that, that's described in, in the works of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, 
sorcery, all of those things, and to be able to go to them and, and, and come alongside them to bring them out of that. It's my hope that, that we can follow Christ in that way. And so in order to do this, there are, I think there are three things that, that we need to do. Firstly, we need to expose and just completely get rid of the myth of self-sufficiency. It's okay to admit that we need help following Christ. We can't, we can't do this on our own. We're not called to do this on our own. Because you cannot follow Christ without the Holy Spirit. And so that's the, the first thing that we need to admit. That, you know, I, I, can't, I can't rightly be a disciple of Christ without the Holy Spirit. We are not self-sufficient. You know, we're not able to go days upon days without sleep. And I, God has given us that reminder every day. And so we need to use those sort of reminders to, to say, you know what, I need help following Christ. And so, so what we can do with that, simply call out to the Holy Spirit to help you follow Christ. Call upon the Comforter, the Advocate, the Helper. It's, it's what His role is in our lives. So we individually and together need to call out to the Holy Spirit and ask for His help to follow Christ. Secondly, we need to see the command of mutuality. We need help bearing our burdens. And also we're commanded to do so, but we need each other. We can't bear our burdens alone. There are some, some really difficult struggles going on within this body. And, and if, if that's you, you're not called to go through them alone. You have your brothers and sisters around you to bear that burden with you. So what we can do is be vulnerable. You know, if, if you're going through something difficult, reach out to a brother or sister so that they can bear that burden with you. If you're not going through something difficult, reach out to someone who is and bear that burden with them. So I would, I would, even, I would even go as far to, to challenge you this week to, to reach out to someone. Reach out, if you're struggling, reach out to someone. If you're not struggling, reach out to someone who might be. And, and bear that burden with them. And so fulfill the law of Christ. Because God gave us each other. He gave us each other to help us follow Christ. And so we need, we need to take full advantage of that. So, so let's bear one another's burdens. And thirdly, we need to march by the Spirit together. Uh, we need the Spirit and each other so that we can march together. Uh, as a body, we can't keep in, steps, in step with the Spirit corporately if we are not walking by the Spirit privately and being led by the Spirit publicly. 
as a church, if we want to build relationships so that God is glorified and lives, families, and the community are transformed through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we must start with ourselves. We must start with a complete and utter dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Because if, if, if we are not walking by the Spirit, we're surely not going to march together. And if we're not being led by the Spirit, we, we're not going to want to march together. All of these things kind of play together, that, that we learn to walk, and then we learn to be led by so that we can march together by the Spirit and impact this community and in this world. So, so my prayer is simple, that we would be Spirit-reliant and bound together so that we can help one another follow Christ. We need the Spirit. We need each other, and we gotta we gotta get to it. We gotta get to work. There's a lot to do, and we need the Spirit to help us do it. So let's pray. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your Spirit. May we, God, rely completely and utterly on you to give us the power to follow Christ and to give us the ability to help others follow Christ as well. We love you, God. We praise you and thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.